in our prophecy series on the Battle of Armageddon. But um, as I was in Psalm 63, God just kept bringing me back to this aspect of of the reality of David's heart in this. And as you know, we looked at Psalm 63 this morning. But one of the overriding themes of Psalm 63 is that it is a heart of worship. We hear a lot about worship. um, And yet, as we mentioned this morning, David had lost everything. And yet he is saying, the one thing I want is God. And, and in reality, that is what worship is about. Every one of us are worshipers. All mankind, we are all worshipers. And the question is, what do we worship? We as individuals worship the one thing that we really want. A person has said worship is about saying this person or this thing or this experience, this whatever, is what matters most to me. It's the highest value in my life. And everyone has something that they place as the highest value in their life. It may be a relationship. It may be um, some position or a dream or a status or something. It may be um, something you own. It may be a title. But everyone comes down where they conclude in their heart, what is most value to me? What is most worthy to me? And that is what we end up worshiping. As a result, worship fuels all our actions. It becomes the driving force of all that we do. And it is, it is true Every person on the planet worships something. We may not call it worship. We may not um, identify it. But one, we were made to worship. We were made to worship God. But sin has twisted that. But deep inside us is a desire to worship. And throughout all of history, it's always been that way. Um, People will go carve out things and worship them. The children of Israel, the golden calf, they they didn't choose to worship God, but they worship something. And it may not be something spiritual, so to speak, but it is, it is worship. And in Psalm 63, We looked this morning at that God revealed David's heart, and he said, My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I long to see your power and your glory. And then, really beginning in verse 3, 
It's statements of worship. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. There's so many things involved here, and we don't have the time to go into them, but um, here was an act of his will. My lips shall praise you. I am making up my mind that my lips will praise you. But you notice it involves his whole being. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. He's saying, my soul will be as satisfied as if I'd ate the best prime rib that there is available. Or, I don't know, whatever you think is the choice piece of meat. Um, I won't go there, all right? Make you all too hungry if we went there, all right? But he says, God satisfies me more than, than anything. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. There again, he's, he's saying, this is all coming out of my life. I will meditate on you in the night when I'm not able to sleep. We mentioned that this morning. And he's reminding himself, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings I will rejoice. We are all worshipers. We worship what we esteem is worthy. And only God is worthy of our worship. We read it numerous times in the Bible, but number of times in the book of Revelation where believers, where angels are saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain, or thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and praise and dominion and power. God is worthy of praise because only God, and think about this, only God is perfect. Only God is eternal. Only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-knowing. I mean, you take any one of these, this separates God. So He is worthy because He is all-powerful. It's not like, hey, we have a, we have a, a, group of ten over here that are all powerful. No, there's one. He, he's standing by himself. Only God is ever present. Only God can forgive sins. So exclusively, all of these, it's only God. Only God can give us victory over sin. Only God can bring justice. And only God can make all things right. That's just a small list of the things only God. So, take your pick. What are you going to put value on? What are you going to worship? Okay, let's compare that with God. Is what you're going to worship all-powerful, all-present? Can it forgive your sins? Can it do this? No. 
And only God is worthy of praise. So tonight we want to look at godly worship involves several aspects. And and I'm not going to take the time to list examples tonight, but understand this truth. God does not accept all worship. The Bible is full of examples of that. Nadab and Abihu, David bringing the Ark of the Covenant, and Uzzah reached out and touched it, and he was killed. Um, In fact, Jesus taught, he said, when you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother hath ought against you, don't offer your gift. Go first and be... In other words, he's saying, I won't accept this worship if it comes from a heart that's not right, if it, if it isn't um, in the parameters that God says. William Temple, the renowned Archbishop of Canterbury, made this clear in, in his masterful definition of worship. And I find it interesting, this definition of worship... Um, Yesterday, I was uh, listening to Ravi Zacharias's weekend half-hour thing, and he quoted this definition of worship, and I didn't catch the name of it. I couldn't remember the name of it. I'd seen it before, and, and um, so as I went back looking for his name and, um, and found it, it was amazing. Ravi was quoting it yesterday. I read Warren Wiersbe, who um, did most of his ministry probably 50 years ago, was quoting it. And, you know, it's truth is always the truth. And you may hear it from a contemporary, and they heard it from someone that was previous to them, and they heard it from someone that was previous to them. I find it interesting You read commentaries and newer ones, and you read, wow, that was really good. And you go back to an older one, and you find, oh, the newer one was just quoting the older one. And and really, that's often how it works. I'm not saying that's bad, because we don't need to come up with anything new. Truth is truth. But this definition, and, and I believe it's so important for us in understanding worship... And and don't get in your mind that worship is something that you just do at church or that worship is something that that always involves music. Worship is giving worth. It's giving honor to God. Godly worship, number one, it begins with the quickening of our conscience by His holiness. When we begin to see the holiness of God, as a believer, it will awaken our conscience and the Spirit of God. We, we are taking for granted that a person is saved. We're beginning with number one, meaning this saved person has an awakening of their conscience as it relates to the holiness of God. 
Isaiah saw the holiness of God and he said, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. We don't think about the holiness of God enough. And, and as we expose ourselves to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, He quickens our conscience. And really, this is the beginning stage of true and genuine worship. Then secondly, it involves the nourishment of our mind by His truth. So our, our conscience is quickened. And we take our mind to the Word of God, to the truth of God's Word, and our mind is nourished, it's, it's established and strengthened as it is exposed to the truth of God. You cannot, you cannot have effective worship and ignore the Word of God. We can't just ignore the Word of God and then say, oh, we're going to create this um, worshipful time. The reality is that we must have the quickening of our conscience exposed by His holiness and the nourishment of the mind with God's truth, His truth, through the Word of God. Then worship goes even further in our lives. It brings the purifying of our imagination by His beauty. David was thirsting after God. He wanted to see God. And you'll read that through the Psalms and and through his life. And it involves a purifying of our imagination when we see His beauty. You know, when we see His beauty, everything pales in comparison to it. Everything else is a reflection of His beauty. But we must see His beauty. I don't know how many of you saw the, the red moon coming up last night. Did any of you see that? That was amazing. A, a new blood moon when there's not supposed to bleed. No, I it's just the haze in the atmosphere, I guess. Um, but that beauty of seeing that, and we stand in awe of it. As you looked at it, it was like, wow. As you see that, it pales in comparison to the beauty of our God. As we come to see Him and the overwhelming, we're, we stand in awe of creation and the beauty, uh, the beauty that people can, can create in art. But genuine worship, godly worship, brings a purifying of our imagination. It raises it to His beauty. And then... It involves the opening of the heart to His love. Where we understand who He is, the holiness of God, which would cause us maybe to cower in, in fear from Him, but we see the truth of God, and we see the beauty of God, 
And genuine worship is born when we open our heart to Him and embrace and allow Him to embrace us in His love. And then genuine worship concludes in the submission of our will to His purpose. I I hope that that you are are jotting these down and that you would take them home and in your time alone with the Lord that that you would would just pray through these God help me to have a renewed awareness of your holiness and God as I come to your word I pray that you would nourish my mind, that I would see the truth, and the truth would set me free. And God, I pray that today you would help me to see your beauty. And that I wouldn't create the beauty in and of myself, my imagination, but that I would see the beauty of your character. And Lord, help me to truly open my heart to your love. Do you understand God doesn't force His love on us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He was writing that to churches, to a specific church. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come in with you and I'll sit down and have a feast with you. I will have fellowship. I'll share a meal with you. Will you open the door? And and this is part of opening our heart to his love. And then it it culminated. If we leave off this fifth one, the submission of our will to his purposes, we'll never know true, genuine worship. Because I can't worship him when I'm resisting his will. I mean, that's a worship that he will not, he will not be pleased with. And you gather all of these up in adoration. And it is the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable of. And that is worshiping God. And there is no higher, um, no higher joy that we can have. And and you may be here tonight and you may say, This is foreign to me. I don't I don't get it. I would encourage you, number one, to make sure you are a child of God. As Danny quoted earlier, you know, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Make sure you're a child of God, and then when that is set and sealed, to begin and, and to pray through these, as I just mentioned. God, I want, I want to bring an offering to you. I want my life to be an offering of worship to you. See, that's the joyous thing. We worship God in our work. We worship God. We are to worship God in our work and in our recreation and in our service and in our home and in our, our family and in our relationships. It is to be a, an offering to God that really is born out of this. 
the fact is, you and I will worship something. Gary Thomas said in his book, Sacred Marriage, we were made to worship. If we don't grow in our worship of God, we will descend to worship something or someone else. Be it power or money, a reputation, a sports team, it could be anything. But he said, if we do not grow in our worship of God, and that's the key, God help me to be growing in my worship of God. If we do not grow in that, he said, we will descend to worship someone or something else. What else is there? Jesus said to the disciples, will you also go away? And they said, to whom can we go? And to us, who will we worship? Only God is perfect, only God is eternal, only God is all-powerful and all-knowing and ever-present and can forgive sins and give us victory and bring justice and make all things right. And as we will say around the throne of heaven, worthy is the Lamb. You are worthy to receive honor and power and praise and dominion And we have the privilege of doing that in our life now. And so it is. God, help me to be growing in my worship. Johann Sebastian Bach said, All music should have no other end and aim than to the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. He headed all his compositions, all the music he wrote, he wrote at the top of the page, the initials JJ, for Jesus Juva, which means Jesus helps me. He ended them with the initials SDG, which stand for sola de gratia, which means to God alone be the glory. Do you understand he wanted everything that he did as a worship to God? And so it's hard to put Jesus helps me if I am not submitting my will to his. And God has gifted every one of us in different areas and put us in different places, and he wants us to glorify him through our worship. The reality is someday what we worship will be revealed. And you think of that. You chose to worship this, whatever it is, and not God? I mean, it will be revealed. And to me, that is a, wow, that is a 
a, a life-altering thought. It ought to be. I mean, oftentimes we choose to worship good things. There are people that worship family. God created family. That's a great thing, but it's not worthy of worship. Church, God designed church, but it's not worthy of worship. And heaven knows no sports team is worthy of worship. And the creatures and the creations, I love the mountains. I, I love mountain streams and, and hearing the babbling brook and hiking in the mountain. I love that, but it's awesome. But it's not worthy. It can't, it can't do anything for me. It can't forgive my sins. It's not ever present with me. And whatever we choose to worship, and God help us worshiping cars or possessions or, you know, cars are a necessary evil. And don't tell me, ah, the Amish get by without them. No, they don't. <laughs> The reality is, we choose what we worship, and someday it will be revealed. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, truly, you are amazingly worthy. And Lord, forgive me for the many times that I have chosen to put worth and value in things or people other than you. And God, I would pray that as individuals and corporately as a church body, that you would help us to grow in our worship for you. Lord, May we have a learner's spirit. May we expose ourselves to the truth of your word. May we be taken with the beauty of who you are. And Lord, I pray that we would continuously open our heart to the love of you, and submit our will to yours. And I pray that there would be joy brought to your heart through our worship. Lord, it's incredible that you have made us to worship you. You created this amazing earth and solar system and all the animals, but Lord... None of it can worship you as mankind can. And I pray that we would be brought to realize what a high privilege we have. And Lord, I pray that the thought that what we truly worship will someday be revealed. And Lord, I pray that we would come to know the joy that, as David said, your loving kindness is better than life. 
Lord, may we enter into the joy of your worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.